make every worker happy? Surely. And should a business even try? Evidence from our recent research suggests, actually, that answer is yes. Or rather, our evidence shows that managers are giving up far too soon on their disgruntled employees, making them less productive than they could be, exposing their companies to unnecessary risks from thefts and leaks in the process, and inflating turnover costs. Welcome to the 90th percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna O'Korn, and joining me today is my father and renowned psychometrician, Joe Folkman. Today... We are going to bring up the awkward situation, the elephant in the room that no one wants to acknowledge, the disgruntled employees. Oh, yes. This is a hard situation for both managers and employees. Uh, Gosh, I hope I don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) How did they get that way? And did you do anything to contribute to their sour mood? I have a story that I read years ago in Harvard Business Review that has stuck with me that I wanted to share for this specific episode with this research. It was from Jeremy Andrus, one of the owners and CEO of Traeger Grills. And this story just really impressed me about his experience with some very disgruntled employees. He described that in October of 2014, he was pulling up into his office parking lot only to find that it was surrounded by fire trucks. Now, Jeremy was the former CEO of Skull Candy, the headphone company, um, and had acquired the company Traeger Grills with Triatlantic Capital. If you don't know what a Traeger Grill is, it is a delightful machine that allows you to smoke your meat, veggies, pies, whatever you want in the perfect fashion. I agree. I, I thoroughly enjoy my Traeger grill. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy the ribs that you make on your Traeger grill. <laughs> Anyways, back to our story. Something is on fire. On a previous visit to the site, he had made a big announcement to the Oregon company. He said that he was closing the warehouse and trucking operations to outsource them to UPS. While the move made sense for the company's new direction and strategy, and they offered generous severance packages to those that were affected by this, you can imagine that this move was not popular among those who had been loyally serving this company for years. So when he got out of the car, he learned that one of their big rig trucks was on fire. And even though he didn't know who was responsible, it was obviously arson. So how would he handle the situation? He said, quote, it was the first time I'd ever felt physically unsafe at work. There is no case study for what to do when employees start burning your assets or a potentially mutinous mob begins to form. Sadly, these incidents were just extreme examples of a larger problem. Our company had developed a toxic culture characterized by the lack of trust, negative attitudes, and a stubborn refusal to collaborate, end quote. 
So he went on in that article to discuss how Traeger had to dismantle the existing corporate culture and build a new one from scratch. That's a great story, Bree. And while not everyone has that kind of experience, <laughs> a company, you know, employees burning the company's assets, <laughs> yeah. disgruntled employees can have a big impact on an organization. So what causes employees to become disgruntled and what can be done to prevent it? To find out, we zeroed in on the most unhappy people in our data set. We actually looked at 160,000 employees. And we also looked for those among them who oversaw them. And, and, and we identified the combination of disgruntled employees and then satisfied employees who work for the same manager. Now, why is that? Well, we wanted to identify a group of leaders who were managing both the unhappy and the very happy at the same time. The results of the data were very clear. Uh, there is definitely a, such a thing as the boss's favorite. I knew it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you would know it. <laughs> and while in many disagreements, we inevitably find both parties bear some of the fault, that is, the disgruntled employees do certainly play a role in their own unhappiness, we consistently found in our analysis that their complaints were somewhat justified. Uh, their managers were, in fact, treating the disgruntled employees differently than they treated the satisfied employees. What's more important, when managers in, the, in question started to treat the disgruntled employees like everyone else, the employee's behavior soon improved. Hmm. So in the article you wrote for Harvard Business Review, you mentioned that the survey results pointed to a clear path forward for bringing these disgruntled employees back into the fold. This unhappy group, they strongly agreed on six major areas in which they felt that their leaders really needed to improve. And the first one was those disgruntled employees want to be encouraged more. When we asked the unhappy 6% to name the skill they thought was most important for the boss to demonstrate, the top response was they wanted leaders to inspire and motivate them. Too often, managers take a negative tone with disgruntled employees, expecting that their efforts to motivate them will be ignored or none will be offered and the expectations become self-fulfilling. But our data suggests managers should take the opposite view. Work hard to inspire this group. Keep the conversation positive. Expect the best, not the worst. I think that's one of the best pieces of, of advice I've ever been given is to assume the best. It's easy to assume the worst, but to assume the best makes a big difference. The next area of improvement was they said, trust me more. It's probably not surprising that both parties, un unhappy employees and the boss alike, distrust each other. The key to restoring trust is to operate with a belief that the other party can change. You said, here we suggest the manager make the first move by making the effort to understand the employee's problems and to build a more positive relationship. Then... 
as both parties work on their relationship, they must strive for consistency, which is so essential in trust. That is, the manager must strive to treat all employees equitably, and both parties must strive to reliably do what they say they will do. Over time, trust will grow. Yeah, that's very true. Now, the third issue was take an interest in the development of everyone and especially the disgruntled employees. I mean, as you think about it, if a person works hard every week and gets a paycheck every couple of weeks, that's a job. But if a person works hard, gets a paycheck, but learns a new skill, that's a career. Mm -hmm. And there's such a difference between a job and a career. Uh, career development should not be focused only on the high potentials. If people are learning and growing and developing, that makes a difference. As counterintuitive as it may seem, don't leave the underachievers out when distributing stretch assignments. <laughs> Next, they said, please keep me in the loop. Communication is fundamentally a management function. So this responsibility rests squarely with the managers. You said that great communicators, in essence, do three things well. First, they share information and keep everyone well-informed. Second, they ask good questions, inviting the opinions and views from others, all others, not just their favorites. And third, they listen and not just to the people they like. <laughs> you, you know, we found that communication is the easiest skill to improve on, but I think people don't do it enough. And we keep finding that people that do it well are much better leaders. The next one is to be honest with me. People wanna know how they're doing on the job and not just the, the favorites, Everyone wants to know how they're doing, and they want to know if they're falling short. They want a chance to improve. Too often, the bottom six percent felt their bosses were not giving them uh, were not giving them honest feedback. They were glossing over problems with comments like "You're coming along fine," when clearly they were not. Hmm. Once more, they reported promises being made. If you finish this project on time, then, and these promises were not kept. Honesty is the bedrock of good relationships. And I've found that people are a little quick to promise and slow to come through and remember what they promised. Yeah, that really leads to the final suggestion that these disgruntled employees had for their bosses. And it was connect with me more. Anything managers can do to improve their relationship with the disgruntled employees will have a, a significant positive influence. And here's where favoritism takes on its most concrete form. Managers go to lunch more with the people they like. Our data shows they talk with them more socially about children, sports, whatever's out there. They know them personally because it's natural, surely, but so are the feelings of exclusion it creates to those who are less favored around them. A small effort by managers to spread their attention around more broadly can go a long way here. As leaders, our knee-jerk reaction to the unfavored or disgruntled employees is often, well, it's their own fault. 
research shows that's not always true. And it's not wholly their own fault. Uh, before you settle for letting your dissatisfied employees go and the cost to the organization of thousands of dollars and employee turnover, take a moment to consider how these performers need to be treated. Uh, a friend of mine, Michael Arena, did an interesting study where he measured employee engagement for people who were recently hired. Not surprisingly, their engagement and satisfaction scores were higher uh, right when they were hired. Then half of the employees were assigned to a group that had low engagement, and the other half were assigned to a group that had high engagement. What they found is within one year, the newly hired employees matched the engagement of their colleagues in the work group. <laughs> wow. You know, leaders who can utilize these six behaviors can make a big significant change on the engagement, just like you were talking about, of everyone in the gr work group. And if not for their sake, then do it for everyone else's sake, because it is contagious. It is It does spread. And research by the University of British Columbia that was published in the Journal of Human Resources showed that those who witness workplace bullying become equally disgruntled as the victims and just as likely to quit. All employees need leaders who know how to inspire and motivate them, give them the opportunities for development, and most of all, treat them with the respect and dignity each of them deserve. You know, Brie, a third of a person's life is spent in the workplace, and sometimes even more than that. You know, a third of your life is also spent in bed. So you ought to have a good bed. <laughs> but the environment that you create by being an extraordinary leader who cares about employee development, it leaves employees with little room to complain. In fact, we found the number one factor influence and engagement is leadership effectiveness of their manager. An ineffective leader creates disgruntled employees, but a great leader generates employees who are highly engaged and motivated and don't like their equipment on fire. The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Korn and Joe Folkman and produced by Singer Folkman with music by Pleasant Pictures. If you're interested in learning more about Sanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly webinar series hosted by Jack Sanger and Joe Folkman, visit our website at sangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and leave us a five-star review. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in the episode details or on our podcast page on sangerfolkman.com.